0: What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 80 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders, and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and place that God has put us. Boy, it has been a timely summer, hasn't it? Ike was amazing a few weeks ago, Ernest Davis and his inspirational story from growing up in rural Mississippi to becoming an incredible leader here in the Atlanta area and really across the country now. And then last week, hearing Chris Singleton talk about love being greater than hate. And if anyone ever had the reason to choose hate, it was Chris, but he chose love and he's spreading that message across the country. Well, today's story is no different. This gentleman burst on the Christian scene really last year, even though he had had a great book prior, to The Change Agent, but his co-authored book, The Coffee Bean, with best-selling author and motivational speaker, John Gordon, that simple lesson from The Coffee Bean just went bananas. And it was used by NFL teams, college teams, leaders in their companies to tell the story of how to live in a tough environment. But instead of letting the tough environment get you, you get the best of it. See, Damon West once had it all. A great family, a home of support, just a phenomenal all-American kid choosing and pursuing his dreams. But his career in college as a quarterback was interrupted at the University of North Texas after suffering an injury, worked for the United States Congress, a national fundraiser on a U.S. presidential campaign, and eventually a stockbroker for the United Bank of Switzerland. But he was introduced to methamphetamines and became instantly hooked. And that changed the course of Damon's life. Now, Damon tells you, after being sentenced to 65 years in prison, Damon tells you the story that he learned that changed his life. I'm telling you, you are in for an incredible, incredible time. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in. to my- Well, Damon, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, buddy. I'm so excited about being on your podcast today. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Well, listen, we were talking before we went on air. Your world changed when you got a call from John Gordon about writing Coffee Bean. Did you have any idea what God would do with that story? Mike? That is
1: a wonderful question, because in the, in the short answer to that is no. And, and and the answer to my life is I have no idea what God's doing with my story today. All I know is that I've just got to be uh, I've got to be there and present and, and my eyes open and ready for what God wants me to do. Sitting in that passenger seat, riding in that car, because, man, the last time I tried to drive the car, I drove it right off the cliff. But my life, what God has done with the coffee bean story, I mean, look, because you got to think about it, man. A guy in Dallas County Jail tells me that story before I'm going to prison with a life sentence, and 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 I'm sure this guy, Mister Jackson, has no idea that that if I'm even going to survive this stuff, right? But not only did I survive it, but I, I but I thrived in that environment because I got on God's back and, and God carried me throughout that prison, and that coffee bean message has gotten out into the world. And because of two men, Dabo Swinney and John Gordon, that coffee bean message is now being told all over the world. And and, and John told me when he called me last August, he said, Damon, write this book with me. He said, Dabo can't quit talking about you and that coffee bean story. He said, write this book with me. He said, God told me to call you. He said, Damon, if we do this book together, this coffee bean message will be told all over the world. And, Mike, I'm telling you, man, we get get emails from the publisher every month that say the rights to the book have been sold in China. They've been sold to France. They've been sold in Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, Korea. This book is being published in Chinese and French and and Arabic and and Vietnamese and and Korean. I mean, this book is literally getting all over the world. The coffee message is being told
0: on almost all continents. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. For that person living under a rock that hadn't picked up the book yet. And if you haven't picked up the book yet, hit pause go to Amazon, order the book, and we'll have a link in our show notes to order that book. Give them, give them a flyover of the coffee bean story. Tell them why it was so pivotal that you heard this when you heard it from this guy, this random guy that you meet, Mr. Jackson. Tell them why this was so critical and what the coffee bean story is.
1: Absolutely. So it's 2009, May 18th, 2009. I got sentenced to life in prison by a jury in Dallas County. They gave me 65 years and 65 is life in Texas. So I get sentenced to life in prison that day on May 18th, 2009. And, and Mike, I want to come back to May 18th before the show ends and tell you about another May 18th. Okay. So May 18th, 2009, I'm sentenced to life in prison. They haul me out of the courtroom. They take me and throw me in this little side room. And it's got a bulletproof glass right there. And they tell me to wait. And my family, who's been sitting in the courtroom for six days, uh, listening to all the evidence, the overwhelming evidence of my guilt of being involved in, in a in a meth ring that burglarized t- uh, just a, a bunch of residents of Dallas County. We were bad guys. We made a lot of victims out of a lot of people. And um, my family is going to get one last visit with me, my mother and my father. And they bring them into this little room. There's a bulletproof glass between us. And my mom does all the talking. My mom's this, she's a nurse. She's a strong willed Christian woman. So, and she says, baby debts in life, demand to be paid. She said, you just got hit with one heck of a bill in the state of Texas too. She said, but you owe the debt to society because you did the things they said you did. So she said, I want to talk to you today about the debts you owe your father and I. I said, Damon, we, we gave you all the opportunity, love and support to be anything. You want to be in this life, anything at all, but this is the path you chose. She said, that's not acceptable. She said, so when you go to that prison, she said, here's the debt you're going to pay to us. You are going to get on God's back, like I told you to, like in footprints in the sand. You're going to let God carry you through that prison. And she said, you will not get in one of these white hate groups, one of these Aryan brotherhood type gangs, because you're scared because you're the minority in there. She said, that's not going to work, Damon. You were never racist. You race, and you will not start today. She said, you're not going to get any tattoos while you're in there. And, and I show people my arms all the time. Mike, I went through almost 10 years of prison with no tattoos. She said, no gangs, no tattoos. She said, you come back as the man we raised or don't come back at all. Mm. And I mean, this is tough love coming from my mother, Mike. I mean, my mom, who, like I said, who's got this strong faith in Jesus Christ and, and, and and that is her life. But she told me the day I was arrested, when I was called home, when I first got arrested, she said, baby, she said, we love you unconditionally. She said, there's nothing you can do to make us not love you. She said, that was the deal we made with God when he loaned you to us. And she said that day too, she said, baby, we've given you back to God. She said, there's nothing we can do for you anymore. Only God can save you now. So she's, this is an extension of that conversation we had months earlier when I was first arrested. She said, do you understand this debt you're going to pay? And, you know, through the tears, I told my mom, I said, yeah, I do. But but my guy had no clue because, I mean, what do I know about prisons? When I get back to the in Dallas County kind of jail. I'm running around asking all these guys that have been to prison before how am I going to survive. And every single guy, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, they're telling me the same thing. Man, you're 33 years old. You're going to the worst part of the prison system where everybody on the building you live on, almost 500 people in that building have a life sentence. You're never coming off the building for five years, man. Get into a gang, man. Let the gang fight for you. But there was this one guy. This older African-American man named Mr. Jackson, and Mr. Jackson was in his 60s. He'd been to prison four or five times, real seasoned convict, but a real positive guy, Mike. And this guy would smile everywhere he went. I mean, he was constantly smiling. And so Mr. Jackson came up to me one morning, and he would always check on me every day. He saw that I was struggling, but he always tried to cheer me up. And so he said, you know, West, I've been watching how you're dealing with these knuckleheads, these dummies, man. And they're all talking, you got to get into a gang. He said, do not listen to them. He said, "But well, let me give you an analogy on what prison is going to be like." He said, "I want you to imagine prison as a pot of boiling water." He said, "Anything we put in that pot of he said anything we put in that pot of boiling water is going to be changed by the heat and the pressure inside that pot." He said, "I want to put three things in that pot of boiling water and watch how they change: a carrot, an egg, and a coffee bean." He said, first things first. He said, "If I put a carrot into that pot of boiling water that we call prison," he said, "What happens to the carrot?" I said, well, Mr. Jackson turns soft. He said, that's right. He said, the carrot goes to prison. He gets beat. He gets robbed. He may get raped and he may get killed. He said, you don't want to be the carrot. He said, what about the egg? And I said, well, the egg turns hard, like a hard boiled egg. And Mr. Jackson said, that's right. He said, the egg has a hard outer shell. So physically, the egg is fine. He said, eggs are protected by their shell. He said, but inside, they're not okay. He said, that soft liquid core, their hearts become hardened. He said, if your heart becomes hardened, you're incapable. Of giving or receiving love. He said, if you were incapable of giving or receiving love, you would become institutionalized and you do not come back as someone your parents recognize because your eggshell will have swastika tattooed all over it. Mm. Then he said, What about the coffee bean, west And I had no clue. Like, I, I didn't know. And so, he, Mr. Jackson, you know, he kind of laughed. He always laughed a lot. He, he kind of laughed at me. He said, You know, for a college boy, you're not too smart. He said, If I put a coffee bean, into that pot of boiling water that we call prison, he said, "Now you got to change the name of the water to coffee." He said, "The coffee bean, the smallest of these three things," he said, "small like you, had the power to change the entire atmosphere inside that pot." He said, "Everybody in life puts out energy, negative or positive." He said, "Whatever kind of energy you put out, you attract back." He's explaining what's called the law of attraction. Mm. He said, so if you walk around prison with a frown on your face uh, all the time, and you're trying to look hard. He said, you'll actually attract that same kind of inmate. He said, it can be a very dangerous, even deadly endeavor on the life sentence building. He said, but Wes, if you walk around that prison with a smile on your face, he said, you'll, and you let those guys know they're not getting you no matter what they do. He said, you will change that prison from the inside out. He said, the best part about it is the other coffee beans in prison, the other positive inmates will find you because of your energy. And the last thing Mr. Jackson told me before I got on that prison bus and was transferred from Dallas County Jail to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, the last thing he tells me is go out there and go be a coffee bean. And so that coffee bean lesson was something I put in my pocket and took with me, and and it gave me hope, Mike. It gave me hope because it it let me know that I can affect some change in this process, this, this dungeon, this hell on earth that I'm about to go into. But, man, when I got to prison, it was like I lost all hope immediately because the, the environment was so hard, so violent in there. And and one of the things I asked Mr. Jackson when he told me that analogy, I said, well, what do you find more of in prison, Mr. Jackson? And he fired back real quick. He said eggs. Yep. He said the egg is a natural evolution of a human being inside an environment like that. He said, well, you're not made to withstand what you're about to go through. He said you'll probably become an egg too. But I didn't, Mike. I did not become that egg. I did it. I, I, when I first got to prison, I got pulled into being an egg, but, but I found my way. I, I got, I got, Mike, I got into recovering in prison. I got in touch with God and, and I got on God's back like my mom said and, and God has transformed my world transformed that world inside there and that world out here. And that's what Davos Sweeney
0: and John Gordon were talking about. That is so good. And you wonder, Damon, that conversation doesn't happen and you go straight from where you were in the Dallas County Jail, straight to prison, there is no Mr. Jackson, there is no coffee bean story, and you walk in only with the knowledge of what the other guys told you, what would your life look like now if that conversation hadn't happened?
1: God, Mike, that's, that's, you know, that's a question that my parents asked me that one time. And um, of course, they're grateful for how things turned out beyond grateful because they got their son back. Not only did they get their son back, but their son's purpose in life is being fulfilled right now. And because that's not, you know, it's not, we don't decide what our purpose is. God does. And so, but I look back at that now and you look at the sheer numbers of it, Mike, and and you got to believe that if that conversation never happens and I get sucked into that world in prison, because the part of prison I went to was the worst part of the prison system because it, it's true everybody has life on the building I lived on, it was extremely violent and and even with that knowledge I got pulled in, to be in an egg in the first couple of months, I, I just don't know, that I I could have turned out this way. Of course God can do anything God wants to do, but without that conversation and without my parents' guidance to to, to steer me back to God, I just don't think I come out as the man I am today. I think I probably would have become another statistic and the statistics statistics say that it's not good for people that go into the criminal justice system with a hefty sentence like that. I was, Mike, I was able to tap into God on a daily basis. And we all can do this. I mean, it's, it's free. God's waiting. It's somebody, it's it's interesting, Mike. Some people will say, well, you know, did you go into prison to find God? And I laugh, Like God's not (laughs) hot. That's right. That's right. We, God's not hiding out in prison somewhere. God is everywhere. And because of that coffee bean thing, and what that really is, that coffee bean thing, it's about the power of God to go around and show what's inside of us. You know, the Bible tells us that the kingdom of heaven is within us, God is within each and every one of us. And so when we allow God to shine from within us, that's when we turn that pot of boiling water into a pot of coffee. You know, that coffee bean is almost a biblical parable. And, um, that 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 message gave me so much hope, and it, it's when I saw the coffee bean, the coffee bean message actually work in prison. And I can tell you where I was the first time I realized that Jackson knew what he was talking about. It was on that basketball court, on that life sentence building, on that rec yard, and it's the most segregated place you can imagine. That that basketball court, and so. By six weeks into prison, it, it took me about two weeks to get to the white gangs first, and Jackson told me, "You're going to fight all the white gangs, and after that if you survive that, you'll fight all the black gangs." And so there I am, you know, in, in the whole system, once you conform to race. That's the way the inmates want it on the inside. But again, I made a promise to my parents, a promise to God, a promise to myself that I would not get sucked into that racial world that's in there. And so about six weeks into it, I'm still fighting the black gangs. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to fight these guys, I might as well do it playing sports because I'm an athlete. And, you know, I played Division One college quarterback. I've been an athlete, a great athlete all my life. So I go out on that basketball court one Monday morning and I get myself into a basketball game. And the basketball court is is, is the sacred ground of the blacks. You know, the, the whites and the Hispanics control the volleyball court. All the races can play handball in the, their life's in this rec yard. But you can't partner up with anybody of the other races. If you want to play doubles, your partner's got to be the same race. Even the weight stack, if you want to live weights, your partner has to be the same race as you. The, the guy spotting you has to be the same race as you. There's no mixing the races inside that license building. And so I go to the basketball court, get myself into a game on a Monday, and, man, we're talking about six days into this. Man, I'm on Saturday, and it's, it's brutal basketball. This is, this is basketball in the license building of a maximum security penitentiary. There's no guards, which means there's no referees. There's no fouls. any Anything goes in these games. And so, you know, after six days of this stuff, these guys finally accept me. They finally take me in. And these guys are like, hey, look, you don't have to worry about the blacks the rest of the time you're in prison. You pull something off out here we have never seen a white guy pull off before. You know, we got your back from here on out. And those guys did, man. And that's the first time I thought about Mr. Jackson, that coffee bean story working, because... You can't just think about how uncomfortable it was for me to be the only white guy on that basketball court. You got to think about how uncomfortable it was for these guys who've been conditioned for maybe 20 years some of them that a white guy can't come into their realm and they let me into their world. Mm. And I was like, wow, for the first time in my life I saw that we were all of us on that basketball court, we were making coffee out there. And that's exactly what was going on and the, and and my world changed around that basketball game. And so I, you know, and that's when I realized Mr. Jackson knew what he was talking about. But I still needed more help. I yep. still had to find the right tools. And one of the things Mr. Jackson told me, and, and it's funny because these messengers of life along the way, God doesn't doesn't ever reach down and just miraculously hit hit us with a lightning bolt and our life changes. He puts people in our lives, Mike. And if we don't if we're not receptive to those people, if we're not if we don't have our eyes open waiting for that messenger that he sends us, we'll miss it. We'll miss it, and and, and I almost missed one of the most important things of the coffee bean story because we always talk about the coffee bean story, but one of the most important things was Mr. Jackson gave me a clue, a key to my success because I asked him the question. I didn't ask him this question. He told me this. He said, if you want to find out where a lot of those coffee beans are hanging out, he said, get down to that chapel. He said, coffee beans gravitate towards that chapel. He said, it's always a pot of coffee in that chapel, Mm. and I did. And I got down to that chapel, and I found the answer that I was looking for, Mike. I found, and then they were waiting for me. The other coffee beans were down there waiting for me. Yep. And, it, and, and coffee beans came into that prison in the form of of men, men from the free world that would come and minister to us, and they would they would have these re, retreats in prison, Mike. The, the most beautiful retreats, because these men would would leave their homes, their lives, their families, their careers, their jobs everything and they would leave that for four days and spend four days inside of a maximum security penitentiary with the curse the wicked the sinners the, the those of us that are that have committed crimes that no one wants to be around us mike no one loves us but these guys did these guys truly lived out matthew 25 mm-hmm. 36 and when i was in prison you visited me wow. you know when what jesus is separating the sheep from the goats and and that is the that's the scripture that means the most to me in the entire Bible. Because these men came in there and they showed me what the secret to life was. And I learned this from them, Mike. Right? And the secret to life is called servant leadership. That's it's right. serving other people, helping other people achieve their goals in life, helping raise other people up to a different station of life. And without asking for anything from yourself, except that you are present where God needs you to be. You know, I told you I learned how to pray when I was in prison. Right. And just because my life has changed and my circumstances have changed, my position my position of life has changed, it does not mean my intentions change because our intentions, Mike, have to be the same no matter where we are because God's going to put us in different places. So every morning I get on my knees and I say the same prayer, and Mike, and I'm cautious not to pray for anything else except this one prayer, and it's two parts. And I say, God, put in front of me what you need me to do today for you, and let me recognize it when I see it amen. And that's it. I'm off. My day is started. My day is good. My eyes are open. And guess what? He's always putting stuff in front of me, Mike. Always things that he needs me to do. And as long as I'm there and I'm willing to do it, God will take care of my needs. Maybe not my wants, because you know, needs and wants are different. I'm sure you talk to your yep. congregation about this all the time. Needs and wants are different, but my needs have been met greater than I could have ever, ever dreamed for myself. God's plans for me are way, way bigger than what my plans are for myself.
0: You know, you, you made a comment. The state of body, the state of Texas had my custody, of my body, but they didn't have to have my soul. And and for you, former college athlete, star quarterback, that identity piece was an interesting part of this journey. I know you talk about it in Change Agent, your book, Change Agent. Your identity in college as a college athlete. You know, you're setting records, you're doing a great job. But when it comes to an end with an injury, what happened to Damon West's West identity when that happened? When that injury happened and you couldn't get back on the football field and, and this football player now was just a regular guy, what happened to Damon West at that point?
1: That's a great question because this is what I call a fork in the road in life. The fork Mm -hmm. in the roads are days that life, God, it's going to knock you down, man. And and when you get back up and dust yourself off, the world may look different. You got hit so hard. Things may be in different places, but you still got to get up and keep going. And you got choices to make. Am I going to make the right choice, the fork in the road, or the wrong choice to go the wrong way? And when I got hurt in college – I made a lot of wrong choices. The first wrong choice I did is I kicked God out of the car. I was like, you know what, God, if you're gonna drive this car and this is the best you can do, I'll take the wheel now. Yeah. I lost the most important thing in my life, which was my football career. And can you imagine the mindset of a human being that will tell God the most important thing to me is being identified as a football player? But a lot of a lot of people do that. A lot of yep. people identify themselves with the wrong things, Mike and that. I tell people all the time that I meet more people outside of prison that are locked up that's right. than I ever did when I was in prison. More people are imprisoned by their thoughts and by their things than by steel bars and barbed wire. You can mm-hmm. take that to the bank because that's true. We, get, we become prisoners in our own mind. We, we allow other things to imprison us, and we lose sight of the important things. My identity in life was wrapped up and made totally immersed in being a college quarterback. And that's not something that I get to choose. So that's God can take that anytime he wants, and he did. God took that away from me, and I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have a contingency plan. I, I didn't have the wherewithal to, to tap back into God. What I had in front of me was uh, this hole, this void, or, or what I like to call an existential vacuum. And I borrowed this term from a guy named Victor Frankl. I read some Victor Frankl yep. when I was in prison. This guy was in a concentration camp. But um, – but this existential vacuum, this, this void in my life, instead of filling it with good things and godly things, because that's what needs to go in our lives. That's what we need to fill our lives with, things that are good and godly. I filled it with negative things because I didn't like who I was anymore. I didn't like being Damon West if Damon West wasn't the quarterback, if Damon West wasn't big man on campus, if Damon West wasn't getting all the attention. You see, Damon West was all about Damon West, you mm-hmm. know? And that's the life – but but see, I'm an addict, Mike, and, and and I'm still to this day I'm an addict. Today I'm in recovery. I'll always be an addict. I tell people all the time, addicts, if you're truly an addict, you're never going to get well. You can get better, but you're never going to get well. It's a disease that you have, and, and you've got to surrender an addiction to what they call – in a 12-step recovery program, they call it a higher power. But we're Christians. I'm. We're going to talk about God. God's a right. higher power. You have to surrender to God, and you have to say, you know what, God? You got to take this from me. I can't do it. You know, the, the first step of the twelve steps says that you you admitted that uh, you're powerless over I say drugs and alcohol, and but and that in the second part of the, the the step it says you admitted you were powerless over drugs and alcohol, and that your life had become unmanageable. You would not believe Mike how many people I come across that are addicts that can admit that first part, but they say you know what I still think I've got a control I've got control over this thing. Golly, man. Mike, when I was in prison, I'd run across these guys, these other inmates, and I'd talk to them about recovery stuff. And they're like, well, you know what? I I can see being powerless, but man, I've got my life under control now. I've got it managed. And my jaw would drop. I'm like, man, you're wearing a white prison uniform. You're waiting for the guards to tell you when you can go to the bathroom, when you can go to the shower, when you can basically do anything. That's the height of unmanageability.
0: Yep.
1: And whenever I lose my football career, my, my life is at the height of unmanageability. I was completely out of control. And I did not have that North Star guiding me anymore. I, I I I pushed God so far out of my life. There, it was only it was only just a matter of time in His plan of when I could be pulled back. And, and and it's crazy because that date didn't come until
0: July 30th, 2008, when a SWAT team came to get me in Dallas County. And at that point, July 30th, 2008, to the outside world, what did Damon West look like? If I ran into you on the street, we bumped into each other at Starbucks, what would the world have seen from the trappings on the outside of Damon West life? A,
1: a, a person whose soul is being fought after. You know, you, we talk about people that are struggling. Everybody's going through something, Mike. We know that. You're, You know, you've got an entire congregation, and everybody, when you look out there on Sundays— Everybody's going through their struggles, and everybody handles it in a different way. But if you you came across Damon in 2008, if you could look inside, you would see a battle going on for the soul of Damon West, because Damon West is so into a deep dark world where 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 Satan's got his grip on it, on me, and and I am literally I am just a dope fiend that that cares nothing about other people and their property. I I break into people's homes, right? I mean, you can't get, I mean, you can get worse, but not much worse. You know, when you get worse than that, you're talking about people that hurt people physically. I never committed any kind of crimes against anybody, any violent crimes or anything like that. um, Thankfully, but, but you would see a guy that was dark and twisted and, and lost and just waiting to be struck down. Now, physically, what you would see is a guy that's still, I mean, I could still blend into places, you know, even, even though I was so far in the meth world, you know, I, I managed to, uh, you know, my appearance and this is made, and this is a God thing. You know, you look at me now and, and it's incongruent with the story I tell, Yeah, because you can't look, you know, you look at the cover of my book, the change agent, you see a, a clean cut, polished looking guy could yep. be the CEO of a company could be the, could be a, a politician. Although maybe that's not a good analogy these days, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but 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 literally, I mean, I don't look like a guy that was that was so deep into the meth world and the in the criminal world uh, physically. But you know that physical structure—that's a good lesson too, Mike. Right? Because what you see on the outside is rarely ever what you're going to get on the inside. That's you right. know, like I said, people are always going through stuff, and and it's what's inside. But it's also inside. Is that power to change? What we talk about that coffee bean, and what, what the Bible talks about about you know the power that, uh, that God is inside each and every one of us. But that light has been snuffed out in 2008. When you meet Damon West, that light's gone. Those eyes are dull. You know, it's a darkness that's over me, and it and it doesn't change, Mike. It doesn't change until I get sentenced to life in prison. That May 18, 2009, when I got sentenced to life in prison that is the first chapter of the change agent. I call that rock bottom. That was my rock bottom moment. And that was the moment where I looked up and there's nothing below me anymore, but, but pavement. And you you look up and, and there's God, you know, I did an interview with the 700 club and and they asked me, you know, you know, when did you come back to Jesus? And it was that night that I got sentenced to life in prison. I'm, I'm back in my cell, uh, in Dallas County jail. And I go to the showers and I just start crying. And I start crying and I beg Jesus, Hey, look, you know, I can't do this anymore. You know, take me, please take me. Cause I, I'm done. I don't know how I'm going to survive. And you know, there was a warmth that came over me because he was ready for me. He was waiting for me. It's like the thing I told you before, God's not hiding. Jesus not hiding. He's waiting for us
0: all the time. Why do you think God created Damon West? He's giving you some incredible abilities, athletically, great family who didn't quit on you, which is amazing you know, he he sent he sent earthly angels into your life before you walked into that stir, you know, that that pot of boiling water as as Mr. Jackson called it's great analogy. Why did God create Damon West? Why do you think he created you and what did he create you for
1: God created me and I and I could answer this question with the best of my earthly ability. God created Damon West and God moved everything in my life exactly how it had to happen because I can be a testament mm. to what he can do. Mm. And, and here's the thing, rarely, and this is something my father who has never talked about spirituality the entire, our entire lives, he was there every Sunday, but he wasn't present, you know, uh, all the time. So, but my father now talks about God. He'll talk about it, all the stuff God's doing in my life. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a reminder of what God has done. God has worked in my life to even touch my father. My father, who now talks about God all the time, never talked about God before. But he can't deny what he can see, can he, Mike? That's right. My dad can't deny what he he has seen God do to his own son. And nobody else out there can deny what they can see. And and as long as I'm willing to let God work in my life, I've got to be willing to say, hey, this is God's show and not Damon's show. If I ever start thinking, Hey, Damon, you're pretty unique. This is great what you're doing. What you're doing? No, man, I'm in real trouble then. So I've got to be sure to stay connected to God and make sure I, I, I know all the time that humility is the only way to go. Because here's the deal. How in the world is God going to give one person the ability to articulate, you know, what he can do, with the oral word. I mean, I, I go around speaking all over the place. I speak hundreds of times a year. I've never been coached to do that. It's just something that the Holy spirit has done and, and write a book about everything that's happened to me. I've never written a book before mine. My my dad is a journalist. He was a, he was a sports writer for 50 years, but it doesn't mean I'm a sports writer. My mom's a nurse and I don't know anything about medicine, but, but God has given one person, all these talents and abilities to be able to articulate his message and sent me off and not only that, but he has opened up doors for me. These are things that I call God things. These things happen in my life all the time. It's the only way to explain what has happened in my life. God has opened up these doors because God is using me to do His will. And as long as I'm willing to give God that credit and willing to go out there and do what He needs to do, remember that second part of the prayer. Let me recognize it when I That's see. That's right. It. That's right. As long as I'm willing to to keep my eyes open. And say, "Hey God, this is something you need me to do. I got this for you, man. You just keep sending me stuff, and I'll do it. All the stuff that needs to be done in my life is going to be taken care of." This woman, this chaplain volunteer—I told you that chapel was was a life raft for me. This woman, named Miss D. Do, a "Little little bitty, eighty-year-old, eighty-something-year-old woman, short, kind of like Yoda, little bitty woman with a cane. She would hit you with the cane all the time. But this woman, when I went down there and, and spoke to her, she was so godly and so wise." I went down and talked to her about killing myself because it was the first two months of prison. And then the first two months were hard. They're chronicled in the change agent, big time, yeah. but those first two months were hard. So I went down and talked to her and she, she looked at me and she's like, you know, Damon, you need to do what your mom told you to do. Get on God's back. She said, but let me tell you something. She said, let me explain life to you. She said, here it goes. She said, if you're going to pray, don't worry. But if you're going to worry, don't pray choose, but choose wisely. You're either going to do this or you're going to let God do this. You know, you're either going to let God do it or you're going to get in the way, figure out what you want to do. And I think that's what happens in a lot of people's lives. We get in the way. We get in the way of what God wants us to do. We start wondering, you know, what what's in it for me? You know, we can't ask that. We got to be willing to do what God wants us to do at, at whatever level. I talk to inmates in prison. I talk to parolees all the time. And I tell them, the secret to life is serving others and being humble. And I said, you need to understand there's only four things that you control in life. All right? And it was diagrammed to me in prison one time. It, I went to a meeting, uh, a recovery meeting, and we start off every meeting with the serenity prayer. You're familiar with it, I'm sure, yep, Mike. The absolutely. serenity prayer. Beautiful prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And this was a good one, Mike, and and, 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 and hey, and like, like with Dabo, after I got done speaking, Dabo told me after my first presentation to his team, I'm stealing all your stuff. And yes. I said, Dabo, you can have it. So Mike, you can have this one. This is great. So the guy draws a line from one side of the chalkboard to the other in that prison chapel. He said, in the first part of the prayer, he said, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. He said, the things you cannot change, Damon, are on God's line, and God's line is bigger than that chalkboard. It's infinitely long. He said, you can't even fathom the size of this line. Then he went and erased a little inch out of God's line. He said, Damon, he said, all your life, he said, you have either hurt yourself or hurt other people when you try to touch something on God's line. He said, stay off of God's line. And he erased that little inch, and he held up his fingers an inch apart. He said, if God's line is infinitely long, your line is to scale. You get one inch Sorry. of an influence on line. He said, the second part of the prayer, the courage to change the things I can. He said, the things that you can change, the things that God allows you to change, the things God allows you to have an impact on, there's four of them. He said, there are only four things on your line, the same four things on everybody else's line. What you think, what you say, what you feel. He said, and most importantly, Damon West, everybody will see what you do. Mm. He said, that's a reflection. Everybody's watching what you do. And he said the last part of the prayer, he said the most important part of the prayer, the wisdom to know the difference. And he held up his arms like real wide between that line and he held his fingers up an inch apart and that line. He said, "In, in the lives of a human being, we want to have stuff off of that big line, but we have to stay off of that big line. That's not our line. Our line is that small line and there's four things on it. What we think, what we say, what we feel, what we do. And, Mike, I'm telling you, it was like a light bulb went off. And then I realized, okay, I got it, God. Thank you for sending that messenger. And it it made me realize that if I can focus myself in those four areas and I'm willing to do what God wants me to do and and live a good spiritual life in those four areas, my life will become unrecognizable to what it was before. And it has. It's become exactly that, Mike.
0: You know, you think you have to overcome adversity and and you hear Damon's story. But what I love about it is we all can choose to be the coffee bean, can't we? That we cannot let our environment scar us and taint us, but we can be a coffee bean and change our environment. And now I look at Damon's life, a life of recovery, service, speaking at schools, churches, athletic teams, corporations, conferences, and he's making a difference with the mess that he had at one time, has now become his message. Aren't you thankful for men like Damon and leaders like Damon? Thank you, Jesus, for rescuing this young man's life so today he could help rescue someone else's. Wow, so powerful. Our next episode is going to continue the line of great leaders We sit down with the pastor of Transformation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, former NFL player, former player at BYU, Derwin Gray. Derwin's got a brand new book out called The Good Life, and we're going to sit down and find out what makes Derwin Gray tick. He is a leader of leaders and leads truly one of America's most diverse and greatest churches. And we have such a great time talking together. Boy, I hope you enjoyed our time today. If this podcast is useful to you, please share it with a friend. Download, make sure you're a subscriber. Leave a review for us because it does help us climb up the charts and be uh, a little more known so other people can find the spiritual leadership influence like you guys have from the amazing leaders we brought on. Well, thanks again for joining us today. And until we sit down again in episode 81, go be the leaders that you were created to be in the space and place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.